Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Joseph Hammond. I am a music and computing specialist at primary level um, and early years level, I should say, as well. Today, I want to talk about behavior management, but I don't want to talk about it in the traditional way. And you'll see what I mean very soon. Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Okay then, welcome to this afternoon's show. And um, today, as I said, I wanted to talk about behaviour management. Now, it's not very typical of me in my shows to talk about something that every teacher everywhere talks about at some point. However, I wanted to talk about it in a different way, and specifically... I wanted to focus on rewards and why I don't give them out and why I do things perhaps a bit differently in that sense. And that's not just because of the school I work at and the child and the nursery that um setting that I work at. It's just a general thing, a general feeling and general principles of mine that I feel like I have to follow um, just for my own um, thoughts and needs and for my own peace of peace of mind because here's here's the thing right what there's there's two things that I personally don't like doing and don't like using and I know if I was in a particular school and they had a certain behavior system, then, you know, I'd be expected to follow that. But here's the two things that I wish would be done differently. And the first thing is rewards. Now, I did used to... Um, at one point, I did used to give out certificates of achievement um, in assemblies, in well, <laughs> excuse me. Um, sorry about that. Um, I did used to give out, um, you know, certificates in achievement assemblies where I, you know, single out a particular or two particular pupils where they would have. Uh, achieved something extraordinary or you know gone above and beyond or for whatever reason it is i also um used to give out certificates in my own lessons for um for you know achievements if they've uh, if they've done a really good job that lesson i've been really impressed with them but this was back when i was in mainstream school but 
I then kind of realised something that was was happening at the time. Uh, people, the pupils were focusing on, particularly amongst the younger ones, even the older ones as well, they were focusing on, oh, how many certificates do I have compared to how many certificates this person has? How many rewards do I have compared to this person? And it's almost like that becomes the main focus instead of what you're trying to teach them and the subject. And when I, one turning point for me and reason why I stopped doing them was when a pupil came up to me and said, Mr. Hammond, I don't think um, the certificates are very fair because I didn't get any. Now, one of the responses I could have said to that could, could have been something along the lines of, okay, well, what do you need to do to earn one? But actually, I just took it on board and said, okay, thank you for telling me, because she did it, those people did it in a very respectful way. Um, and so, you know, you've got to, you've got to listen, you've got to acknowledge these things. And so what I did was the next term, I stopped doing them. And why, why did you stop doing, why have you stopped doing certificates? What about certificates? I, I did get asked that for a while. But then I explained the I explained this that I, as a music teacher, and as a uh, technology, um, well, would I call myself an expert? Maybe uh, no, I I I wouldn't. I a, a computing specialist as a as a specialist teacher who teaches across the school. Um, I want the knowledge the content, the creations that the pupils make, the performances that they do, I want those to be their own reward. And that's the kind of that's the kind of atmosphere, that's the kind of um thing that I want to create. And that's it, it, and it, it's it's tougher than giving out instant rewards. But that in itself is part of a problem that we have in society in general in the moment, in my opinion, and lots of other people's opinions, is there's um, a lot of instant gratification. And in a way, if you're giving out rewards in, in lessons, that is in its own way a form of instant gratification. And... That's something that we've uh, got to combat against. And it's tough combating against since, you know, and I'm saying this as someone who uses computers a lot and who plays video games a lot. Um, not everything is instant gratification. And so as teachers, I think we have to try and create it so that the reward is the satisfaction, in my case, the satisfaction of delivering an excellent performance or the satisfaction of making a piece of code 
that does something amazing um or making something on a creative game like minecraft which is super satisfying to see your end result and not only that but to enjoy the process of improving and that's something that i want to do more of it's something that i want to establish and it goes the other way as well um if you if you're doing punishments or consequences now i prefer the consequences of a child's actions to be looking at and seeing the natural consequences of their actions okay what impact is it having on others um what impact is it having on themselves um and i'm not saying that i know everything and that this will always work all the time but it's just a matter of from research or articles or bits of books that i've read and just my own thoughts where it aligns with my own thoughts um the one of the things that i don't do ever and i hope well, ever i i guess i used to be guilty i guess i used to be guilty of it and sometimes it's hard to get away from it is um you can't sometimes get away with if there's a particular disruptive moment singling out that pupil in front of others it sounds awful but you know you might sort of say their name and the other children will hear because you want them to focus um but at the same time there's one thing that i would never ever do and that is um so one popular system is this card system where you might have um everyone starts on green a green card and if they get a warning then they get a yellow card then they if they um still continue um their disruptive or unexpected behavior then they would um get a red card and that would be a consequence and then they might um beyond that um it might sort of escalate further until it might be if it's a really serious thing a um a suspension now um but the principle that i don't like is sort of having on display especially if it's at the front of the room having on display oh this pupil is at the moment on this behavior mode this pupil is on this behavior mode this 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 pupil is oh going to be punished in this way and it's clear for all the students to see that i'm not a fan of that at all it's embarrassing i know that if i had my name on the board saying oh my behavior uh, oh my behavior is not good enough and so this is what's going to happen i know that i would have and i guess part of it is to do with my own anxiety and 
hard. And so I would get severe anxiety and then I wouldn't be able to learn at my best because I, I already know that that person is not happy with me. And it's clear for every single per- every single child, every single person in that room to see that. That's not a, that's not that's not going to improve my behavior. That's not going to improve my uh, improve how I am in that moment. That's just going to make me feel terrible about myself. And so I hate I, I hate things like that. I hate it when um when oh so okay so this this pupil this student this child is doing this so i'm going to write their name on the board and there this is going to be their consequence well yes some sometimes consequences are necessary but do we need to announce it to everybody no i don't think we do Sometimes it's pretty, if if a student is being obviously disruptive in some way, then, you know, it is obvious. But at the same time, um, it's just a very, I, 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 I know from my own feeling, just the embarrassment of it is something that I wish would go away in education. If I'm going to give a consequence, then I'm not going to do it in front of everybody. I would personally much rather find the time to pull that student aside privately and talk to them about what's going on, their behaviour. It works. It's so much better than... um, then that student being embarrassed in some way um, because it's announced in front of everybody that that, that student is not showing is not showing the correct choice or the expected behavior or whatever it whatever term it is that people use in their schools um yeah and that way whenever i've it might not be instant gratification and instant response but that's something that I'm trying to move away from and I know that I feel like lots of people need to move away from and actually if you just often spend a bit of time with a student um, and to find out a bit more about them find out what's going uh, what might be going on it's you might find that then they start to respect you more. They start to, even if their behavior is never going to be perfect, they can still see the value that you add and see and see some value in having you around and uh, even would be happy to talk to you about certain things. And that's what I found so much, um, I guess, one of the um so i i i've read too many articles and seen too many social media posts where it's been the case where a reward or consequence system has actually had the 
opposite or unintended effects on pupils. Um, so, and one of those, um, I, I should shout out to uh, Paul Paul Dix's book, um, "When the Adults Change, Everything Changes." That was that was one book that sort of um, made me reconsider a lot of things. Um, but I want to—I can't remember where I saw these, but I wanted to point out two um, two article, uh, one article and one Reddit um, Reddit post that um, that sort of pushed these points forward. So, in the Reddit post, there was a um, teacher that asked um, everybody. Um, well, the the users that were following that thread asked them, so what moment in your teaching career made you change the way you do things? And one teacher posted that um, they had a new student arrive um, and that student did some kind of behaviour that made them get a warning. The, the teacher then, uh, oh, oh, sorry, no, yeah, that, that new pupil got a warning and was written on the board, um, I think. And then the student next to them said, don't worry, you get used to being the bad kid. And that moment made that teacher change the way that they do behavior management change the way that they do things and that um and you know that is um that's such a that's such a thing that we have to avoid and sometimes it can really be unintentionally the way that the way that a lot of adults might do things even if they're not directly saying you're a bad child you're a bad student the student might still feel that way if certain things are happening and they shouldn't be. And that's really... So, yeah, do you know, that that really... And that really struck a chord with me as well. You know, I do not, absolutely not, want any of my nursery children or any of my um, students I teach have um a label as the bad kid or that they think that i think that they are a bad kid i i don't want that for any of my students and and neither do neither does any decent teacher let's be honest um any any decent person any decent teacher would not label anybody that they teach as a bad child um and so and so why would if 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 you knew that that was having that effect then i'm sure you would change what you're doing um and the the article that i mentioned was there was this um child with um, this article is talking about a child with very low self-esteem and that um, that every day there was a report 
sent home to parents about um about uh, how that child had done that day including where they were in the behavior were they green which was good behavior all day yellow which was uh some bad some you know unexpected behavior or were they red which was terrible behavior and this student who might i point out was had special needs i think adhd um couldn't sit still and that was one of the expectations of the um of of the of the system uh, of the teacher and so he was never put on green in terms of behavior because he couldn't sit still and so that slowly but surely wrecked his self-esteem and his parents saw him become a much sheltered shyer more nervous much more anxious version of himself because of this child's needs not being met and that in itself again is a very tricky thing because there's a lot of talk at the moment about how there's a group that's um, pushing for no exclusions whatsoever in a few years time um and i i saw that some twitter users were saying that actually one of the things they're also pushing for is that no student gets sent out of the classroom ever now i haven't read the full thing so i don't know if there's any subtext to that or if there's any um if they go into detail or into any exceptions but if the if a child is um isn't having their needs met then they might act out in some way and sometimes that can also result in um violent action violent action towards others other students the t- the adults school property now is it safe to include that uh, to keep that child in that classroom absolutely not and the safety of the majority has to come first um and there's we would fight so there there's many people out there and many organizations that would fight so hard to get every to get that person's uh, that child's needs met not least par- uh, so many parents of special needs children um you know i i'm a, i'm a member of a couple of facebook groups and the um and lots of the parents of children with special needs and, and neurodiverse needs are often are constantly talking about having to fight for their own children's rights and education and things like that and it's um you know and it's it's often heartbreaking to read these things um and no system is going to be perfect and there will be there will be some man, many schools or many institutions that sadly won't 
have the resources, the funds to meet that particular a particular child's needs. And it's cruel to try to keep them there when probably that child wants to get out of wants to get out of there and isn't able to so we'll try and do everything they can to get out of there even if that includes violent action um this the safety of the group the majority has to come first or the safety of everybody has to come first i should say and it's even a pupil who is being very violent i i should I, 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 yeah, a pupil who's being very violent might actually be a danger to themselves as well in the way that they're acting. Um, and no, and clearly, and sometimes no amount of punishment or reward systems are going to get it anywhere. Um, right, um, I've got a caller, so let's see, um, let's see. Um, And so, yeah, that's 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 those are my main thoughts on um, this kind of behavior management and rewards and uh, consequence systems. You've got to be very careful that there's um, that there's that it's serving its purpose and that it's having the desired effect. And if it's taking away from what the point of your lessons are which is in my case learning music learning new things about computers and being inspired by those things um then it's not serving its purpose um it's much and ultimately it boils down to i would much rather play the long game instead of short-term wins and by that i mean i would much rather lead a um like do it in a way which says okay so i am going to have i'm i i'm going to build a relationship with my students and that relationship is going to be focused on mutual respect as 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 much as i possibly can i'm going to try and foster a culture of mutual respect i'm going to try and um inspire my pupils with music i'm going to and and computers i'm going to try and um and i'm going to try and make sure that they come to my lessons and the focus is going to be on the lesson content the subject the um wanting to improve themselves uh wanting to Im improve how they how they perform their knowledge of the way computers work or how they play an instrument, the way they sing, develop performing skills, whatever it is. Um, I want it to be about 
the process and the result as well. So they see that if they follow this process, if they work together, then they're going to, then this is what they're going to achieve. And the process doesn't have to be tedious. It can be enjoyable. It can be engaging. And therefore, they're going to be more likely after the, um, they're going to, they're more likely going to be able to follow those subjects, that knowledge that they've gained through in the future. And so that's what my ultimate aim is in my lessons. And that's why I don't do, personally, I don't do things like, you know, write names on the board either for praise or for punishment and consequence. I don't uh, do um, things like smiley faces, sad faces. Um, sometimes if it might be necessary, if that pupil, um, if that's a recommendation from a trained professional, like an occupational therapist or special needs expert of some kind, then maybe that's, that's the way it has to be done. But if it's a group of children, a group of people, then that's that's the way I'm trying to um, I'm trying to be with my um, with my pupils, and that way there's a group dynamic where we work together to achieve a greater goal, and that is what my ultimate aim is. Okay, um, so. Teachers Talk Radio has um, unfortunately um, l- made its um, its limit to uploading files so for the month. So I don't have much. Um, I I can't upload the news two minute tech or ads today. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to read out the script uh, for our sponsors, word from our sponsors, and then I am going to talk a little bit about um, some of the most interesting stories from this weekend's news and what Steve Woods is uh, talking about in Two Minute Tech. So, with a Slack group. With a Slack group are a leading provider of specialist education and care. They need people like you to help them achieve even more. At Weather Slack, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. Weather Slack currently have some fantastic career opportunities available to apply for. Check out www with a slack group.co.uk forward slash careers. All right, Steve Woods, for educational support and in IT and computer science, 
Steve Woods is delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way in Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there is nothing to install beforehand. Join Steve remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June from 4pm till 5. Visit stevewoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you an estate school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half term? Join Steve for two days and receive up to £1,360 of bursary terms uh, of bursary terms and conditions apply. Aimed at secondary, but primary teachers are also welcome. Visit stevewoods.co.uk to find out more. And now, OUP Smart Curriculum Service. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service provides secondary schools with an evidence-based curriculum at Key Stage 3 and Key Stage 4 and connects it with resources, assessment, next steps and CPD, powered by Ox Oxford Smart Caboodle. What makes Oxford Smart different? For the first time, curriculum is seamlessly connected with resources, assessment, next steps and CPD needed to deliver that curriculum. This curriculum coherence means all components work smoothly together, gathering data to give you the insights you need to plan, teach, assess and monitor the progress of all your students effectively. As well as providing a personalised and adaptive learning pathway for all your students, Oxford Smart frees up your time to inspire a love of learning in your students and to spark awe and wonder in your classroom. Visit OUP at global.oup.com to find out more. Okay, so that's the ads. And now I'm going to talk about the most interesting news story um, from this weekend news, which is that apparently um, there's this primary school in the Shetland Islands, um, which is the smallest primary school in the United Kingdom in Great Britain. Um, with five pupils, four in key stage one and key stage two, and one in nursery. And the head teacher is retiring, and so that job is currently going, which is which is really interesting. It would be, it would be, yeah, it's gonna be. It would be very um interesting to be part of a, a head teacher of a primary school where there are I think more adults than students uh, so that's going to be quite the experience so yeah um can't remember what it's called but it's um the smallest primary school in the country and the head teacher job is going for that and Steve Woods talked this week about virtual tours meaning that um, you, when you go on a virtual tour, um, and he's made a point of putting virtual in quotation marks, you basically visit a website or go to a live stream. And um, on that live stream, you'll be taken through a real world location from the comfort of your own home or your classroom. And, you know, for if if you can't if, if there's somewhere that is too dangerous to go or you can't get to like you want to see the inside of a volcano live streams there then you know that's that's a that's a good virtual tour for you 
So that's what um, Joe Fox and Steve Woods were talking about this week. Um, I'm sorry I couldn't upload the file, but um, apparently Teachers Talk Radio has uploaded too much um, to Podbean this month. So I've given the other hosts a heads up of that. Anyway, back to what I was talking about, which is how I do things a little bit differently in terms of children's um, behavior management, rewards, consequences, things like that. So I do things a bit differently. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect at behavior management. I'm not at all. In fact, sometimes I feel completely incompetent. Um, Just like I'm sure every teacher ever will have their moments of strengths and weaknesses. But ultimately, what I am trying to do is... um, is long is I'm looking at the long term mental health well being of both myself and my students rather than short term instant gratification. And on that and from there I want to move on to some of the more typical parental and teacher things that I've perhaps done a bit differently. The first thing is about sharing. Now, yeah, so with with young children, obviously, oh, you share, you have to share. That's a common thing. But you have to think about it. Sometimes you have to think about things a bit differently. Now, there might be moments where if you're in an earlier setting um, like I am um, some, some of the time, um, or if you're in um, a, yeah, just any setting where toys, resources, things for the children to play with are perhaps a bit limited and there's not enough to go around for everybody, you might have instances where um, you might have a child hog that uh, particular that particular toy or try and snatch um, if they want it, but somebody else has it. Um, And you might have to figure out a system, like, uh, and if there's a swing as well, for example, um, and there's only room for one at a time, you might have to figure out a system. But one of the things that I don't do (coughs) is um, I personally don't force sharing upon my um younger children or um or any of my kids for that um, matter really i don't force it and by that what i mean is there might be a time when a child says i want that toy that that child's got now a natural reaction and something that i i used to do might be okay, so this child has this many minutes and then has to give it to this child or finish with it. But I don't do that anymore. I say to the child that wants that particular toy, okay, so you'll need to wait until this child's finished and then you might, then you might, then you might be able to have it. Because off, and often what then happens is the child that has that particular toy will just naturally come to an end with that game or whatever it is they're doing with that item 
and find something else to do, in which case we can pass it on to the next person. Um, if we forcibly take it out of their hands or we kind of forcibly tell them, okay, you're finished with that now, um, then, well, they get enough of that anyway as it is when sort of adults tell them it's time for this part of your routine. So, like, it's time for time for dinner, time for lunch, time to brush your teeth, time to um, time for bed, um, etc. They already have a lot of routines as it is. And we have to understand the value sometimes of not just quick snippets of play, but deep focused play. Um, I've said this before on my show, but if you're teaching somebody something, it takes 100 to 200 repetitions to master it. Where if it's done through play, it takes 10 to 20 repetitions before that thing is mastered. And deep focused play so is, is such a valuable thing for child development. Um, and so if a particular child um, is really deeply focused in something, I'm not going to force them to stop just because uh, one other child has suddenly decide, decided, I want that thing, so I'm going to ask an adult to take it off that child. Now, there is a balance to that as well. So we have several homemade makeshift swings. We have a couple of tire swings. We have um, a couple of log swings at my school. Um, in our forest school um, nurseries, we often um, build, we will often build makeshift um, tire swings or uh, log swings. And of course, there's going to be, pe- there's going to be lots of children that will want to have a go so we would have to give them a time limit if you're at a so you know a child can't always have everything they want all the time and so sometimes of course it's necessary to organize time limits and things but not all the time is my point um and the other point i wanted to make about sharing is um So I'm sure many listeners and many people have read Stephen Covey's classic book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in one of the um, in one of the uh, chapters of his book, he talks about an experience with one of his children and sharing. So his um, child just got a new toy and. Oh, can you please share that with um with your friends? No, I don't want to. I'll give you this reward if you do. I don't care. I don't want to. Oh, if you don't share, then I will punish you in this way. I still don't want to. That's how that's how the exchange went in his um in his book. He was honest about it and then he realized why that was the case, you know. It was a birthday present, a brand new toy um or uh, um yeah uh, i think it was a toy but anyway um that his daughter hadn't felt a sense of ownership to that toy yet she wanted to experience it with herself and then once she had 
had some experience, then she'd be ready to share it. And you can't expect a child to share absolutely everything with everyone because then they'd have no privacy whatsoever. Um, and um, respecting people's privacy is so, is so important. And so, yeah, it is, it's, it is it is tricky and um no one's gonna get it right all the time but um i think sharing is perhaps sometimes a little bit sort of made too much of a point of because you'll often find um younger children might say um to me oh joe this child isn't sharing what they actually mean is I want that thing that that child has um, and this is going to be my way of trying to get it off them. And so my response is usually you'll have to wait until that child's finished or we can find another one if it's something that we've got several of. The, um, the idea of all of the things I'm saying is to de-escalate if it's getting out of hand, not to escalate any uh, as as little as possible, and to just keep everything a decent atmosphere. Um, now, there's a book that um, is quite uh, is a parenting book more than a teacher book, but I just love the title of this. It's called, It's Okay to Go Up the Slide, Renegade Rules for Raising Confident and Creative Kids. Now, I've seen, I've seen this before a lot, actually, where by um, you've got, you've got sort of conventional rules of parenting and of some teachers, you have, um, Oh, yeah, the slides were going down, not up. But here's the thing, and I think I've said this before about um, playgrounds. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, she's written another book as well called It's Okay Not to Share. Um, so just those titles alone, right? Those titles alone just tell you a lot. But now I haven't read all of it. However, um, there's principles of um, both both of these books that I'm very uh, that I'm very fond of, and the one, and I guess it's partly to do with the experiences that I've had recently in the current uh, school and uh, forest school nurseries that I work in. Um, the going up the slide why well why do people do that why do children do that they do it because they have already mastered going down the slide um and the way and, and so they're looking for a new challenge you know eventually if and this this is a problem with a lot of playgrounds is that they're too safe these days. 
And by that, I don't mean that all children should be getting hurt all the time. Of course I don't. But a lot of playgrounds, and I understand why they're doing this, it's to avoid getting sued. But it's so... um, But it's not good for a child's development if they're not allowed to do anything risky whatsoever. Do you know? Um, And... I've taught, I know I've talked about risky play before um, in some of my earlier and some of my earlier episodes on the forest school ethos and uh, the um, and, and things like that. Risk is necessary. Some some risk is necessary to raise confident, creative uh, children who don't feel restricted or anxious about things and. Um, yes, some kids are going to be more confident than others. Um, but here's the thing. If you, um, if you tell a child, if you tell a child, oh no, don't go down the slide, uh, don't go up the slide. You're not supposed to do that, but they've already mastered going down the slide. That's boring to them. So they're going to take a risk. They're going to go up the slide they're going to do things a bit differently they're going to be a bit creative with it um and they're going to look for challenge and a bit more risk to stimulate themselves and that's the point of this whole it's okay to go up the slide um see if you look at um, and a good analogy would be, I know I've talked about this before on my show, the zone of proximal development. Um, I, I won't go into too much detail, but the quick uh, version is um, you have three zones. You have your comfort zone, you have your zone of proximal development, and you have your panic zone. Um, your comfort zone is all the things that you can do without much thought. Your zone of proximal development is all the things that you could do with time, uh, with a bit of effort, perhaps with a bit of mentoring or teaching. Your panic zone is things that are beyond your abilities at this point. And if you learn to master your things in your zone of proximal development, then you will grow your comfort zone. And the things that are in your zone of proximal development will go into your comfort zone because you'll have mastered them. And then perhaps some things that were in your panic zone will go into your zone of proximal development. So your your green and your yellow zones, if you will, will grow and your panic zone will get smaller. And that's the analogy in which I base a lot of my teaching and my learning and uh so if you look at that in terms of a child going up the slide well what is it that they're doing right they've at first oh there's a slide that's exciting uh, that's exciting i've never if they've never seen that before well okay i'm gonna climb up i'm gonna go down the slide i'm going to and I'm going to, uh, and and I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing that. Eventually, okay, I'm bored of this now. I'm bored of going down the slide. I'm looking for a new challenge. So 
they've sort of grown their wanting to go down the slide and mastering that, that's in their comfort zone, well within their comfort zone to the point where it's boring to them. Going up the slide is in their zone of proximal development. So whereas it might have been in their panic zone before. So now what are they going to do? Well, they're going to look for a new challenge. So they're going to try and go up the slide. And even that might become a little bit boring after a while, but for them, but it's also them being a bit creative. And I often do this in a lot of my songs as well that I do. Um, so for example, I have a, um, sorry, um, I have I have several songs where I get the children's suggestions. One of them um, is from Sing Up um, called I've Got a Grumpy Face. And in it, I sing, I've got a grumpy face, a grumpy face, a grumpy face. I've got a grumpy face. It looks like this. And we go around every time and we choose a different face to make. Um, and yeah, it's great fun. It's great fun doing that. Now, um, who and and each time, if 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 we're doing the song for the first time, I might say, "Okay, who can show me a happy face? Who can show me an angry face?" Etc. And so you can go around lots of the time doing that. But what about if each of those faces? Oh yeah, we've done that before. We've seen it all before. Well, you're going to look for a new challenge, and I embrace that. Um, so some might, uh, some have suggested animals. Oh yeah, okay. I'd like you to make a dinosaur face. I'd like you to make a squirrel face. I'd like you to make a doggy face. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, some might um, have even sort of gone completely off the rails and said, "I'd like you to make an apple face. I'd like you to make a banana face." I would say to rather than say no that's not a face I have said to that child because I want to encourage their creativity how do you do an apple face how do you do a banana face and they've then shown me sometimes it makes sense sometimes it doesn't but you know we're being we're being creative we're having a bit of fun with the song even if it's been completely derailed well you know, sometimes, sometimes it's okay for something to be completely derailed. You know, if you're, if you're mastering a skill at first, then you, you, you got to find creative ways of doing it. And uh, we've even had, oh, make a happy and sad face at the same time. And so, you know, you get, you get kids trying to sort of make half their face happy and half their face sad. That's also great fun. Um, and yeah, it's it's um so that that and that's a that's a good that's a good analogy for sort of adding challenge to things that children have already mastered. And often children do enjoy repetition and routine, but there comes a time when that repetition and routine will get almost too samey. And then you have to look for an additional challenge. You have to move forward. 
and that's where these principles come into place. Um, and I'm talking about the children's play. And this is why um, lots of adventure playgrounds, loose parts playgrounds, and just natural play are the most beneficial things for our kids. Now, there's going to be rules and regulations among a lot of these things. Even us and our forest schools, our, all of our kids are allowed to climb trees. That's unheard of in some schools. Some schools would be horrified about our tire swings and our log swings, things like that. But we still have health and safety policies and um, uh, and things that we do to ensure that these things are done safely rather than banning them so that they're kept safe because that's boring. Um, and so we we have to there, there's there's lots that we have there's lots to there's lots to think about there's lots to consider. Um, I'm not somebody in terms of children's play that takes the easy way out. I want them to get the most out of their play, and so do all my colleagues that I work with. Um, and where where possible, I also want them to be able to yeah explore things in in their own time in their own way. And I. Although it's been tricky to to get used to this way of thinking and way of working, I do try and uh, make it work with my own specialist subjects, with music and with um, tech and computing. It, it is sometimes tricky to inspire things that they'll then want to access, but it, it, it can be done. It ha I, I have had some successes, some failures as well, um, but... I've been getting used to what works and what doesn't in that sense. Sometimes kids, many, sometimes kids, it's just not what they're naturally drawn to. And that's okay. Sometimes you, you might get kids who will just love always come. If I've got my piano out or my trombone or my electric guitar, they'll, and they'll gravitate towards that naturally. And that's okay too, because that's what they're into. And it might change in the future where when when they when they get older they might develop an interest in that and then they might think back to things that i did with them when they were younger and that's okay too right well i've covered quite a lot there haven't i um and i'm going to finish there for today so um Thank you. Um, if you have downloaded this episode and listened, then thank you very much for listening. I hope you got something valuable out of it and I will see you next time. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.